the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Well, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are. My name is Julian Gibb from the Harvest Foundation, and today I'm blessed to have Eddie. Eddie, uh, superhero Eddie from uh, Albania. And uh, Eddie is from the Illyricum movement. And uh, Eddie, it's a blessing to have you with us here today. It's my joy and honor to be able to be here. Thank you. Now, Eddie, first of all, uh, a little bit of background on yourself. Uh, tell us, you know, where you were raised and how you were raised. Well, I was born in Albania and raised over there during the communism time. I was born in 1978 when Albania was on its best period of time in Albania. Uh, when I was born and grew up. So I was 13 years old when communism left because of the collapse of the economy that went very bad. And um, that was a time that I was for the first time hearing the gospel through the Jesus film uh, documentary made out of the gospel of Luke from uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. And I was 13 years old and that was exclusive news to me. Somebody dies and rose again because I never heard that before during the communism time. So that was amazing to, to hear the message. And so, uh, so, so you were from the sort of Soviet or the tales of the Soviet era. And uh, uh, what, what were you raised? I guess that there's there's no God. You know, all that religion stuff is silly. Uh, and um, you know, just just rely on humankind. Is that is that what you were raised on? You know, it's very interesting because Albania in 1967 was declared to be the first world officially atheistic state. So our government totally get rid of the God. Uh, they physically destroyed uh, uh, all the mosques and a few churches that were at the time because Albania prior to communism was for 500 years under Islam. So we uh. had a huge amount of time under Islam, actually double than the life of the U.S. You know, U.S. is 240 some. So it's double the time we've been under Islam. And when communism came over in Albania, they physically destroyed actually all the all the religion things. And even what is unique is that even the word God was deleted from vocabularies during the communism time. So uh, nothing at all, like a revolution, uh, which was unique for all the Eastern European countries where communism was established. So I grew up with that mentality. I never heard anything about God either never heard the word God mentioning, because I know that this is kind of out of your imagination here, but you'd be in prison for the rest of your life if you even mentioned like, oh my God. 
So that was something very, very, very unique that Albania had during that period of time. So that's how the situation where was when I grew up during that period of time. So, so what what did you think of those uh, crazy Christians at this time? We never we never thought anything because we didn't know that they existed. Basically, uh. so they took it. I mean, they changed the whole history part. Got rid of all God things, religious things, yeah. so made the history like real atheistic history of the world, and uh, that's how we grew up. So we never heard anything about the religion, about God, about Jesus, about Islam either. Even though we come from a long period of time under Islam, as I mentioned to you. So when 991 came, and we were very exposed. And one more thing is that Albania was surrounded by electrical defense. Nobody could get out. Nobody could get in. Very, very isolated country. And just to make uh, a little, uh, one more very interesting fact is that first time I saw banana was in 1991. They would consider banana a capitalist fruit. So <laughs> I don't know where they where they get that, but you know, we were very isolated. We were like a planet on its own. We didn't know how the real world was outside. Wow. <clears throat> So the capitalist banana, the fruit, fruit of Satan himself. <laughs> wow. So um, uh, last question on that topic is just, uh, so it pretty, must have been, what, what happened when the walls fell down? You know, I mean, um, so suddenly, suddenly you can't say the G-O-D word and, um, you know, and, and you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't eat bananas, you know, and then suddenly the walls come down, you know, and it's a, it's a whole new world. I mean, I mean, I have to ask one question. What was life like before? Was it because we're always like, oh, you know, must have been, I mean, must have been awful. You know, well, what, what, what were the good bits? Well, there must have been, were there good bits before the walls well, fell down? It's re- interesting part is that we didn't know how the world was, so we didn't know how what to compare with. Aye. So uh, for us, that was the best. So that's how we grew up, and that was our mentality. I mean, government would be like the back, de- uh, the like the big daddy. They will decide about what school you will go, what university you will go, if you will go, what job you will take, how much you will own, and also uh, there were no private properties at all. So everything was owned by government. So basically, you were like a machine, but we didn't know that we were like that until the wall fell and we saw the reality in the world. So that was kind of the, the, the interesting part. So, I mean, when you don't know how the other things are, with what to compare. So yeah. for us, that was a reality. And when the wall went down, when Albania was exposed toward, toward this new reality that existed for so long, but we didn't know that, we were kind of shocked, especially our parents' generation, uh, which was very, very uh, discouraged. And uh, because they truly believed that system, they were grown up during that system. And when the system fall, they saw the new reality that the world was, and they felt very, very bad because they were lied a lifetime. And there was no time to go back and gain those years again. So they lose the trust. Actually, that's one of the consequences that is still on in Albania. It's very, our parent generation is very hard to reach with the gospel because that attitude is believe, but don't believe too much because you can get disappointed, just mm. like we did. So mm. it's hard to believe wholehearted for that generation, anything, not only God, but anything, because they were very disappointed when they were being lied a lifetime, you know. 
Wow. So, so, uh, so in uh, in Albania, are you finding that it's actually, in fact, the younger generations which are more open towards spiritual things? It is true. The young generation is very open uh, toward the spiritual things. Uh, I remember I was 13 years old, as I mentioned, when communism left. And I heard my friends in my neighborhood shouting, there are some Americans coming to show movie about God. And there were two weird things in that sentence, Americans and the movie about God. <laughs> we have never seen any American before. And uh, actually, by the way, they were very brave people that that came to Albania without knowing, because there was no information what was going on in Albania, outside of Albania. So yes. they just just came as the world w- went down. They just came and they showed, you know, shared the gospel and showed this Jesus film, the documentary made out of the gospel of Luke that Campus Christopher Christ used. And uh, that was very interesting because we've never, as I said, we've never seen an American, but we all day long heard bad things about Americans. Like they are going to come and kill and all that thing. Now our curiosity was like, wow, how do they look like? And and by the way, poor those Americans, because they were surrounded by multiple kids, trying even to touch them to see if they were humans. <laughs> <laughs> but the second thing that was very interesting was this movie about God that that I never had any idea. So I saw this movie and I was shocked that in the end, this guy dies and rose again. And uh, I got even more shocked when I heard those Americans saying that they believed that this was a true event that happened in history and that this man was God. Wow, that was kind of exclusive news to us. So um, I just went home and I talked with my family, my parents. And first time I hear from my grandmother uh, was that we come from a Muslim background. I have no idea before what was that either. And uh Wow. I mean, as you can imagine, when communism left, even Muslims started to come back to Albania because they wanted to bring back their influence, you know, and uh, have back, you know, all uh, all the um, uh, influence there and build mosques, starting to do a lot of things like that. And I thought to myself, I want to know God. And I find out that I come from a Muslim background. So it made more sense to me to go by myself and to follow God via Islam. So I started to attend a mosque by myself. For two years, I was practicing Islam. But what was interesting that I couldn't get rid of what I've seen in that movie that stayed with me. Even though I was practicing Islam, Christ's death and resurrection stayed with me. Wow. And so you uh, you, you came from the uh, atheist background and then um, you watched the Jesus video with... Um, with the Americans and uh, you came to uh, a, a slow journey or rather the Lord was pulling you on this journey towards him and you uh, have come to faith. And so, you know, obviously that changed your life completely. And uh, I, I can say that because I, I know you. And uh, so then tell me, you, you, what did, what was the call that God placed on your life at that point? You know, I wanted to know, uh, you know, in 993, I, I, I had a desire to know what was the difference, the main difference between Islam, Jesus in Islam and Jesus in Christianity that I've heard two years ago. So I was more curious on that part. I started to uh, be more, you know, to search for more information about that. I got a New Testament. Uh, I got some material, some books. I met with some people. It took some time by God's grace to open my eyes. And in the end of 993, 
when I understood that God himself can came on earth to save me, I couldn't resist that kind of love. So uh, I became a Christian. And at the time I started to attend a small church in my hometown. I was very involved, very much involved there. 97, I went to college and there I attended Campus Crusade for Christ. I was also very much involved and I grew up those years a lot in my walk with the Lord. And uh, uh, that lasted until 2001 when I graduated and the desire of my heart to make Christ known, especially among Muslim people that, uh, that came to me since when I came to know the Lord, became a reality. So I, I came on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ uh, in Albania. And uh, I got married. I found my wife also with Campus Crusade for Christ. We got really? married in 2004. We have two sons, and all these years we've been serving with Campus Crusade for Christ in our region, in Albania, Turkey, Kosovo, uh, Macedonia, Bosnia, in all that area among Muslim students. And this is great because one of the things that we were experiencing is that we were seeing so much openness toward the Muslim students about the gospel. Mm. So they were very open for that. And uh, But we are the first generation of Christians, Julian, in Albania, because Christianity is very young there since 991. Prior to that, as I mentioned, we've been for 500 years under Islam and then communism. So basically, we are the first generation of Christians. So what we were doing with Campus Crusade for Christ was great. We were seeing people come to know the Lord. But then we kind of reflected, like, where do they go when they finish university? Because there were not many churches. So that's how we started the, the church planning ministry in 2012. That was the desire to plant and establish churches among indigenous people group, especially Muslim people. And that's why we call that Illyricum movement, because it comes from Romans 15, 19. And it's an ancient name for Albania. Illyricum, Paul says that it's been so far preaching the gospel from Jerusalem to Illyricum, which is present-day Albania. And that's why we called our organization Illyricum Movement, because we wanted to see the gospel come back the same way as it was during the first century. So we were very passionate to see churches being planted and established and raise leaders from inside of it. And so you, you were saying, and I, I noticed, you know, you've been, I don't know if I should say the countries, I don't, I don't want to get you That's in okay. any, any trouble but uh, so you're, you're going to the uh, uh islamic countries and you're you're sharing the gospel and uh you know in uh i'm saying this with all with all respect you know that 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 that's a uh dangerous ground to be in you know going into i mean or or am i wrong i mean just going going into islamic countries and talking about jesus christ as the son of god you know i know I know uh, that's something that obviously they believe in Jesus as a prophet, but very against Christ being divine in that sense. Even in the the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, isn't there like uh, uh, forbid the God having a son? You know, is written around in the uh, in the mosque and the temple. So you entering into these areas, um, one is it uh, dangerous, or and two, um, how has the response been? You know, I'll start with the second one. The response has been great. God is bringing many Muslims today in, uh, in you know, to face his word and to come to know him. I truly believe that from my experience in all these 20 years now, that there are more Muslims to come in to know the Lord and to come to hear the gospel in our lifetime, in the last 30, 40 years, and probably has been even in some centuries, even combined together. 
So what is happening in the Muslim world, people are becoming very open and the gospel is being penetrated there. So the second, that is the, the answer in the second question. Uh, the first question is that, well, for us as Albanians, because we are known coming from a Muslim background, it's not a big trouble to enter that part of the world because they love Albania. They consider Albania like their little brother uh, as a country. Uh, so we have we have a very great open doors in that part of the world, and it's very easy for us in some ways to make Christ known there. So we don't see that as a very big problem. So so many many people coming to Christ. I mean that that that's amazing, you know. And going to one of your uh, recent newsletters, uh, you know, I, I'm a little bit intimidated by you, Eddie. You know, is so I'm looking here, church plant, <laughs> teaching online English helping Ukraine, church plant in Kosovo, helping uh, starting up a center for violent women, uh, excuse me, to help women who are struggling with violence, uh, another church and another church. So, Eddie, uh, how, do you, uh, how do you do all this? Well, we've got a group of people that we are together. So it's not only me and my wife, but we are. I mean, basically, Julian, the, the idea is this. We go in an area that doesn't have a church, we start to uh, make Christ known there in different ways. For example, during the summer, children don't have much to do. So what we do is that we offer, like similar to VBS here in U.S., we offer uh, for two months, uh, five days a week, four hours each day, uh, like a VBS thing where we teach them guitar, piano, drama, art, crafting, English, German language. They love all these things. And uh, every week we have a biblical theme and all these components will minister to that theme. And in the end of the week, uh, the parents will come and see a show that their children have prepared. So uh, in this way, we meet the parents for many weeks, for about eight weeks. And in this way, we build relationships with them and share the gospel. So that's how we start a church plan usually. Uh, these are some of the tools that we use. But uh, as I said, God is open. I mean, uh, that area is very open with the gospel. And people will come to know the Lord. But the biggest trouble in Albania is raising leaders from within. Because mm. we cannot, I mean, we don't have seminaries there that people can be trained in ministry. And then they can be a pastors of churches. But we have to raise them from inside that group. So that, that's the biggest obstacle. But actually, that's the biggest joy also. Because from that group of believers that are coming to the Lord, we start to distinct who can be the future potential leaders of the church. And after distincting them and kind of uh, investing in them for some years, teaching them, helping them, they will be ready in some point to be the leaders of that church. And usually it takes between five to seven years for a church plan to be established and to be on their own. So these people now will be will become our co-workers. So every time we plant a church, there are new co-workers coming alongside us. So that's why I'm saying is, you know, there are a lot of people being involved there in all these efforts. And we thank the Lord for that. Oh, man, because I'm, I'm looking here and... Uh... You know, there's a array, there's sort of marriage uh, counseling, there's uh, programs for teens and youth. Uh, so uh, is it fair to say that really you're looking into uh, the communities that you're in and looking for the needs that you are seeing there and working to try and fill them? Don't let me put words into your mouth, but just looking at your website, uh, it seemed, is that, is, that, is that your tactic? You know, we wish to plant a church within this area. We feel the Lord is calling us there. Uh, let's set up there. And what are the needs of the people? Is, is, that, is that your, your tactic? 
That is actually because I mean me, uh, through some meeting of those needs and uh, we build these relationships with these people and that's how the gospel is being spread and uh, as 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 and and God uses that. So we usually use different kind of tools to approach to people. So give give me some uh, some stories. Obviously not not people's names or, or things, but how have you encountered uh, people within your own home country or uh, or the uh, Muslim people? Um, you know, just uh, have there been opportunities where they've sort of said, you know, Eddie, why are you doing this? Or, or you know, why are you helping me? You know, uh, have there been any uh, examples that you can give of that? Yes, actually, there are many of examples. For example, what I can say is that when we planted uh, a class at church that we called one of them, um, uh, we went into this neighborhood to get to know some of the people. And there was one uh, little guy, uh, my son's age, that he came and he wanted to become part of his um, uh, classes, like EBBS. And he called, uh, he called his parents and uh, asked his parents to meet with us after he you know, heard about this. And uh, his parents came and met with us and they said that they were Muslims and uh, we talked but we built some relationships with them along the way it took some months and what was interesting is that when they have always asked us like why do you do that I give them an example of for example you know uh, imagine if uh, if you have the, the the medication for a very bad sickness and you are not uh, kind of giving to the people but you are hiding that from the people do you think that person will be kind of a good one? And they definitely say no. And then I say, well, uh, we have in this book the greatest message that this earth has ever heard. God himself came on earth to save us. And uh, there is, you know, there is hell and there is paradise. And uh, the the decision that we make to come to know the Lord, that will kind of, you know, make the, that, that path where we will go. And that is very important, more important than, uh, you know, having a better life, more important than, being healthy more important than anything that this life could be so that's why we sold our lives to this message because it's the greatest message that a person can ever receive in this earth and that's how we explain to them and by the way for muslims gospel of john is chapter one because in islam one of the things is difficult is that Jesus being the son of God. But if you give them the perspective of the gospel of John that says that the word in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And later on saying that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So this is the, I mean, this is a great way to, 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 to make Christ known to them because you just give them the perspective of the eternal word of God that became flesh. So, um, uh, it's it's a very very wonderful uh, concept of uh, approaching to Muslims and this couple they were both uh, math uh, teachers in a high school uh, as they were hearing this message time after time uh, months after months uh, to know the Lord them they gave their hearts to, but after three more years they uh, his uh, this husband uh, her, her husband became the leader of that church. So can you imagine somebody that you meet that doesn't have any idea in a period of about three, four years will become now the leader of that church. And I mean, so that is one of the greatest things. I mean, that, that, <clears throat> that's really encouraging. And also, you know, something for, for me and perhaps for others to take into account is that 
you know, uh, in my country and perhaps in the US, we, we want instantaneous results. You know, it's kind of like, hey, here's the, the gospel of John. You know, are you going to convert to Jesus or not? You know, so it's kind of like I want instant result, you know. And so there is that thing that, you know, it, it takes time, you know. And of course, God is in control of the journey. You know, it's not down to Julian, uh, praise God. Uh, you know, it, it, God is in control and it's his timing is perfect. But just that that wonderful example of people uh, on a sincere uh, journey of, of, of coming to faith. But Eddie, so so how how can people be praying for you? I mean, what what what's your uh, what's your web address? Is it illyricum.org? Yes, illyricum.org. And um, if you have trouble uh, finding our name, go to Romans fifteen nineteen. You'll read it there, illyricum. So illyricum.org. Uh, that's our website. Actually, we cannot post everything in the website for sure. what we are doing because it's a bit sensitive. But if people want to keep in touch with us, there is that can uh, sign up for their for our letters and updates so we can be in touch with them. Uh, how we can pray? Well, uh, you know, uh, we are now in the midst of a very great project starting. It's called International Biblical Training Center, where we are having people, church leaders from the Muslim world, together with their families, coming to Albania for a period of a year, where they will stay there. They will be trained in ministry. They will be trained in a vocation. We'll try to teach them a vocation, and they will be trained in um, in uh, homeschooling. So. Well, this is wonderful. And so, Eddie, we've run out of time, sadly, but illyricum.org, planting churches, reaching out with the gospel to Muslims. Eddie, thank you, and may the Lord bless you. Thank you so much. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.